Good morning, everyone. Last Sunday of 2018. And uh, I'm really looking forward to next year. And I want to share with you this morning um, just a couple of pictures, hopefully, to help us wrap our heads around what is going on in this church and across our country. And um, really, I just want to share from my own heart what I believe God has in store for us. You will need a Bible. We're going to pray before we jump in um, to Matthew's gospel and then John's gospel a little bit. Lord Jesus, we hear the words um, which Alicia has shared with us this morning. And Lord God, I just want to echo those that we can have all the plans in the world, but they're not your plans. We can think we have systems and processes, but they're not your systems or they're not your processes. And Lord God, we don't want to end up being anything other than your people, attached to you and grounded and and rooted and established in you. Lord God, would you please guide what we're about to talk about? Lord, would you validate your will for this church, for this house, this group of people. And Lord God, as we, as we search the scriptures, as we pray together and worship together, as we journey together in this world as your people, would it be you that goes before us? Would it be you that we are following hard after? Like fire by night, like cloud during the day. Lord God, would you be the main event today and every day? Please guide now our hearts and our minds. Amen. Please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to have a look at just a, a short little snapshot before we then talk about fishing. Oh, come on. Yeah, all right. Tim's here. All right, I'm going to try that again. We're going to have a quick look at Matthew chapter 4 before we talk about fishing. Yeah, okay, better, better. I know, I know it's been a long year, but some enthusiasm, a little bit of enthusiasm goes a long way. Okay. Matthew chapter 4. And we'll start reading at verse 12 and we'll go a little bit and then we're going to pause and look at some of these ideas. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 says this. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, remember John is his cousin, John the Baptist, or John the baptizer. John was the one who was sent by God in the spirit and power of Elijah. Jesus says he is the Elijah who was to come to prepare the way for the Lord, and he's been put in prison. Jesus withdrew to Galilee. Verse 13, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
Matthew there is quoting Isaiah chapter 9, which I recommend you go and have a look at because it's talking about the Lord raising up these people and that it's this blessing that he gives them that he shines a light on them. He is restoring something to them that's been taken away. Verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. A very simple message, one instruction. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Close your Bible on your finger or you'll read on, because it's really good. I want us to focus this morning on a simple message and on a simple instruction, because I believe that that's what God is calling us as a church community and as Christians in our country back to. He's drawing us back to basics. Since this country was, um, was settled by Europeans, we have inherited forms of Christianity and forms of political government, um, systems and processes from all over the world. And we've inherited cultures from all over the world. And Australia is becoming this melting pot. It's becoming more and more like the melting pot that the ancient Roman Empire was. It is more and more aggressive and antagonistic towards Christianity. Um, it is consumed with greed and lust and envy and, and every single thing that you would find in ancient Rome, you are, you are now finding in Australia. And what that means, though, is that as the, the situation around us, the context that we find ourselves in is changing, and many of us would say it looks like it is morally deteriorating, it means that what we give our time and our energy to has to be very deliberate and it has to be a very economical use of resources. And by resources, I mean certainly buildings and, and finances, but I mean the energy that we have, the hours in the day, what we actually have to use and to give. We can't sit around expecting that the gospel is just going to take root in Australia if we ourselves, who, who've been entrusted with it, we who are the light bearers of Christ, don't deliberately take the light and do something with it. When Jesus turned up, his disciples asked him a number of times, is now the time when you are going to take us and put us back at the top of the food chain? And we can have that kind of latent idea sitting in our head that, you know, if revival happens, Christians are going to go from being at the bottom of the food chain back to being at the top of the food chain. Because for some of us, we've grown up and that's been our experience of Christianity in Australia. Christians call the shots. Christians are the moral um, thermostat. Christians are in positions of political influence and power. Christians are respected in culture. And our hope can be that, you know, something's going to happen and Christianity is going to be back at the top of the food chain. I don't think that's what God is calling us to. When we look here at this passage of Scripture, really simply, Jesus turns up and he has one message. Verse 17, repent for the kingdom of 
of heaven has come near. And he goes amongst these Gentile people, these people who are far from God, these people who do not have a grounding in being educated in the temple. And he goes out amongst these people and he says, God's kingdom has come near to you. The kingdom of God has come near to you. The rule and reign and authority of God is in your town and in your streets and in your marketplace. It is so close to you. Repent. Change your life. Give up living the way that you were living before. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. And then straight away he goes and he finds some people who are prepared to hear that message and then he gives them a simple instruction, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And I believe that the Lord in this church and in this town and in this age is apprenticing us as his people, that he's training us again to do the basic things of his kingdom very well that he's training us to put our energy into the basics and that this is the journey that he has us on, whether we want it to be our journey or not. I believe this is the journey he has us on. And it's not about next year we're going to run a particular program or we're going to read a particular book or we're going to do a particular sermon series. It's not about a quick fix. It is about, it is about us learning to be God's people in a land and a culture which will not stop changing. Change in, in our country is not going to level out. Change in our country is not going to settle down. It's not going to slow down. The world is not going to be less aggressive towards us. We cannot hope to follow Christ and have people not do to us what they did to him. So I believe he's regrounding us. And I want to talk about three pictures which I believe will help us to wrap our heads around this. This is the first one. We see in Scripture that when Jesus goes and he talks to people and he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you, it means that every disciple of Jesus Christ is now part of being an outpost of God's kingdom. And an outpost, when we, when we look back throughout history, say we look at the British Empire or we look at the Roman Empire or we look at the Ottoman Empire or, or any of these places where they expand the rule and reign of a particular monarch or a particular dynasty, they would establish a base out there on the frontier so that if you came near to that base, if you came near to that outpost, say, of the Roman Empire, then the moment you came into contact with them, you would experience what it was to be under the rule and reign of Rome. If this church is going to be an outpost of God's kingdom, then it means that when someone comes into contact with part of this church family, what that person, we hope, we trust, we plan, is going to come into contact with is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That someone who connects into the life of Kerrang Baptist Church is going to find themselves connecting into and experiencing the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because we get things perfect, but because we love each other. Even when we disagree, even when we misunderstand, even when things go wrong, even when things fail, there is something about God's manifest 
presence, the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, obedience to the spirit of God that goes on in and amongst this church family, that when someone in the township of Kerrang comes into contact with a craft group or with a youth group or with a men's group or a women's group or a play group, that they are coming into contact with Christ. This is what it means to be an outpost. Picture number one. Picture number two is to be a lighthouse. We're going to have a look at three examples of these different things in a moment. What is the purpose of a lighthouse? I know I have a different picture up here than maybe the lighthouse you were expecting. The purpose of a lighthouse is to send a single clear message as far as the eye can see. To go, you know what, let's let's make clear what we are. Let's communicate that very, very clearly. And the purpose of Kerrang Baptist Church and of any church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be very clear and very simple, something everyone can understand to go, you know what, if you are stuck, here is a waypoint. Here is something about God which is true and which will always be true. Let's tell you who Christ is to communicate that really clearly to our town and to our district and to our region. We live in a country that most of us in ministry now refer to as post-royal commission. We are post-royal commission into institutional child abuse. That means that we have to re-educate the world around us to go, you know what? Here are these things which have gone on in churches, but that is not of Christ. We need to make our message very clear that God loves kids and wants kids to be safe. That's part of the message we now need to re-preach very clearly in this town. Picture number three is this. Nets. And cruise. The first instruction Jesus gives to his followers is this Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And if God has got hold of you, if if Jesus lives inside of you, and you are in him, connected and stitched together by the Spirit of God, then you are now part of his mission to the world. And part of his promise is that he will make you someone who has the capacity to fish for people. I know I said, hey, we're going to talk about fishing. Often our Aussie definition of fishing involves a rod and some alone time. (laughs) Depending on how many fish you catch, a lot of alone time. (laughs) When Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, it is a team environment that he's talking about. When he finds them, what are they doing? They are casting a net. It's something that they do together. And part of us functioning as God's representatives, as an outpost and a lighthouse, is also us going, you know what? We we have a strategic goal. We exist for a purpose. And the purpose is that people would encounter Christ. It means that the different, say, programs or activities that we do choose to, to run or to, to plug in or to try and use, they have a purpose. It's for that person to encounter Christ. 
So let's have a look at where we find these things in Scripture. John chapter 4. If you flick over and, and want to read along, you don't have to. We, uh, we spent a long time in John. I'm trusting these pictures are still kind of fresh in your mind. Jesus did not have to go through Samaria geographically. But we read in the scriptures that he says, I must go through Samaria. And then he finds himself in the middle of the day. The disciples go off to get something to eat and drink. And a Samaritan woman turns up. And in that foreign place, in the place where Jesus actually had no practical, tangible, physical reason to be there, what happens is this woman comes into contact with the kingdom of God. And maybe this is a picture of what next year is going to look like for us, for you, is that you are going to find yourself in situations that maybe you didn't plan to be in. You might even find yourself in a room or in a place that you don't want to be in. It's the middle of the day. It's stinking hot. We can relate to that at the moment. Maybe you find yourself in a place which is not comfortable, where you did not plan to be, but in that place you are an outpost of God's kingdom. You are a kingdom bearer. You are a light bearer. And where you go, the kingdom of God goes. Jesus comes into contact with this woman. And what does she receive from Jesus? I'll give you a hint. It's not judgment. He certainly critiques some of her decisions. But the very first thing that happens is what? Have a look. You're allowed to cheat. John chapter 4. What does he ask her for? Give me a drink. He asks this unclean, ceremonially unclean Samaritan woman that Jews would not even share cutlery or crockery with. He says, I would love to have a drink from your cup, please. Maybe this is what it's going to look like for us next year, is that you find yourself in someone else's house and you go, Lord, I don't want to be here. This person doesn't seem clean enough to me. And the Lord prompts you and you go, you know what? Can I please have a drink of water? And in asking them for something, you honor them and you bless them. This is something that is more common in other cultures than in, than in Aussie culture. But when you go into someone's house, you honor them. When you go into someone's world and, and love them and you eat the food which they serve you, what happens is you put yourself on the same level as that person. It's how hospitality works. Maybe that's what being an outpost of God's kingdom is going to look like for you next year. Learning how to give a simple, honest explanation of your faith in Jesus. This woman has questions. And now someone has turned up in her world that can answer them. Maybe being one-on-one -on -one with someone. Maybe it's a cup of tea. Maybe it's helping someone move house. Maybe it's visiting someone who is trapped either by physical illness or mental illness or addiction or incarceration, anything that pushes the boundaries of the kingdom of God and the love of the king into contact with someone else is what it means to be an outpost. And I believe that the Lord is training us as a church to do this, that he wants us to push the boundaries of his kingdom and the love of his his kingship out into the lives of other people. Second point is this, lighthouse. John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to have a conversation with the Lord and he comes and he says to Jesus that he has seen the things that Jesus has done 
and he knows that there is something of God going on. And I believe this is something as a church that we need, like I've already said, to get really good at, is that people know where the light is. People know where the hope is. That people would know where the help is. You know what? If you go down there to Karang Baptist Church, there is something about those people. There is a life in them. There is a joy and a peace and a faithfulness in those people. Is that the loud and clear message which we are echoing out through the life of of our community here? I believe in many ways, yeah. Not so much to do with our Sunday service. You've probably noticed our Sunday service does not mean too much to our local town. But the things that happen here Monday through Saturday mean a lot to our local town. Karang Township may not notice if we stop having a Sunday service, but they'll notice if we stop having a play group. They'll notice if we stop having a craft group. They'll notice if we decide that we need to close the school down. They'll notice if we stop having any involvement in North Haven. What is the loud and clear message that echoes out of this family? We need to make sure that we are continually choosing to be people of the light. I've already mentioned this, but we are living in an age where it is far more valuable for us as Christians to be radically honest, to have extraordinary, humbling integrity and authenticity. All of those things are far more valuable than trying to impress someone. That means when we come into contact with someone in our town or in our region, they go, oh, you're involved with Karang Baptist Church. And you go, yeah. And you know what? I get the faults. I get the difficulties. I understand all of that. We're not perfect, but God is at work in us. That is a far greater cutting edge to the message. That is a far crisper and clearer light coming from the lighthouse than to go, you know what, it's amazing and everything is perfect and everything just runs smoothly all the time. We live in an age where people don't want a sales pitch. They're used to advertisements. We have them on our phones now. People are used to advertisements. What they want is authenticity. They want to know whether they can be involved in something and have real questions and have real struggles and have real problems and yet come in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ to know that God is interested in them. We need to be very clear about the purpose of this house and very clearly make Jesus known. And the third thing is this. To belong to Jesus Christ is to be put in a crew. Jesus puts a crew together. We call them disciples. And he spends three years and they watch him get angry. They see him get upset. They see him cry. They see him go through the temple with a whip. They see him insult Pharisees. They see him get upset with his own family. And at the end of three years, he says, I have finished what I have come here to do. Our picture of what it is to be part of a crew or part of a group of disciples, to be turning into a follower of Jesus Christ continually, 
we need to make sure that the picture we have of that is not too complex in a way that Scripture actually doesn't describe. Sometimes we think, I need to be perfect before, I, before God's going to pick me up and use me to do something. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. That is not what we see in the Scriptures. Part of the existence of this house, this church, this family, as it has been for generations and generations, is to go, you know what? Let's find a net. Let's find something which is going to gather people together, whatever that activity is. And let's draw people to a place where they come into contact with Jesus. We see that Jesus feeds the 5,000 over in John chapter 6. And this, I think, is a lesson for us as well. I'm not going to preach all about this part of the scriptures again. But Jesus goes to where the people are. And then God starts causing things to happen that get people's attention. People get healed. People get transformed. People get released. And God gets everyone's attention. And those people start just turning up and being involved. And Jesus feeds them. This is an important lesson for us as a church. This is something I believe God is growing us in. Everyone is allowed to turn up and hang around and see what God is doing. Everyone is welcome to do that. And you know what? Jesus feeds them. So we need to feed them. Everyone is allowed to turn up and wander around and follow Jesus and get fed. And then after they are in that space, after they have seen, after they have heard, then Jesus turns around and he challenges their belief in him. But he lets them belong first. He welcomes them first. He feeds them first. He loves them first. And after that has happened, then the question comes to go, who do you think Jesus is? Are you only here to get fed or, or are you here because there's something else going on? And when there are people that turn away, there are people that turn away. But Jesus invites his disciples to be involved in this whole process. So what does this look like for us as a church? What does this look like for you as an individual? Maybe it looks like finding a net. Maybe 2019 is the year where you go, you know what, I'm going to pick up a new net. I'm going to get involved in a new activity or a new program or a new process, whatever it is. The program or the process or the activity is not the goal. The goal is that people find Jesus. But to go, Lord, we are going to throw our net out over here and we're going to, we're going to try this, we're going to try this, we're going to try this because we want people to connect with you. And we see in the scriptures that when the disciples do that, even when all of their skills fail them, even when these professional fishermen come up with nothing, Jesus goes, you know what? Let me, let me show you something here. And he moves and he acts. Maybe 2019 is the year where you will find a net. Or maybe it will be the year where you go, you know what? I need to step in with a, a different crew for a while. Maybe there's a team that needs to start functioning in the life of this church. Or maybe there's a team that needs you to step in and to function as part of that team or part of that crew in the life of this church. Maybe you need to be involved in a deliberate strategy to bring people into contact with Jesus. It is easy for us to sit back and to assume that all the processes that we have had in place 
are somehow going to cause Christianity to become top of the food chain or something like that again. The reality is that we are probably on the cusp of starting to feel the persecution that Christians around the rest of the world feel and have felt for centuries. That's probably the reality of it. And it means that we need to have a backbone and a spine and a commitment to something more than just a comfortable form of Christianity. That if I don't make disciples, disciples don't get made. If you don't disciple someone, then there's a person who's going to be missing out on being discipled. If there is faith in you, then there must be faith through you. If the Spirit of God is on you, then the Spirit of God needs to pick you up and carry you and move through you. But that decision is yours to make. Your availability is your decision. Your willingness is your decision. Your submission to God is your decision. And no one can force you to do that. And no one will force you to do that. But it comes back to availability. There are some, there are some practical things that maybe we can do around some of these pitches as an organization. So one of those things, I believe that it would be a good thing for us to communicate as clearly as possible as an organization of which I am an employee, that it would be good for us to communicate to our town that this is a safe space. So I have asked the deacons to price a security camera system. Not for any other reason than it will clearly communicate to this town, if you turn up to an activity at that church, they are serious about safety. They want their kids to be safe. Now, I'm sure there's a fair bit of discussion to have around that. But that's one practical thing we could do. I've sent some information to, to the elders and to the deacons as well going, look, I have some ideas about maybe putting another person on staff next year. If we can afford to do that, how could we do that? Because there's no shortage of things that need to be done. But these are not silver bullets. Like we said before, we can, we can have a system, but maybe it's not God's system. And next year, I don't believe that God is going to simply go, cool, run this program and it'll fix everything. Have this activity as part of your cohort of activities and it's just going to, you know, all of a sudden, you know, wrap Kerrang into the life of Kerrang Baptist Church. I think God is taking us as his people on a journey to go, you know what, how about these really basic things? If people come into contact with you, are you bringing them to meet me? And I believe Jesus wants to be the main event and that this is what he's walking us through. There are a lot of things that we are doing blisteringly well. But we've just celebrated 140 years this year. We have just, as a church, worked through clarifying and putting down on paper what our values are that we are carrying forward in the life of this church. But ultimately, it's about the people who are sitting in this room right now, the people who sit in these seats, the people who come into the function room and into the powerhouse room throughout the week. So how will we go about being an outpost or a lighthouse? How are we doing with nets and crews? This is part of the big picture that I think God has going on for us. And there is, there is no way for us to go back to having a comfortable, politically um, authoritative kind of Christianity in our country anymore. And so I believe the Lord is regrounding us 
and regrouping us and retooling us. And that he's apprenticing us in these very straightforward, basic things. And if we are faithful, I believe then he will bring fruitfulness in its season. I'm going to pray and commit these thoughts and these pictures out of John's gospel and Matthew's gospel because I don't want my words to be in your heart or in your mind. I want God's words and God's pictures to be in your heart or in your mind. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, this house is your house and all of us who are here, are in some way, shape, or form people who are seeking you to belong to you, to be caught up in relationship with you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as you have been leading us and guiding us, you would continue to do that, where there are things that we need to grow out of or grow up into. Please keep leading us and guiding us, where there are things that we have treasured because they have been beautiful, they have been precious, they have been part of our journey. But Lord, where they are not for this next part, help us to deal with our sense of loss. Help us to deal with any grief or any disappointment or with any anger. Lord God, where there are things that have been so valuable to us, but maybe are not valuable to you in this next season. Help us to deal with that. Lord God, where some of us need to make sacrifices in order for us to be available to you, not necessarily to any program or to any activity or group, but to be available to you where we know there is something we need to cut out. Lord God, help us to make those sacrifices. Help us to see these things in light of eternity. Lord God, where there are things you are drawing us and calling us to pick up, where there are nets and boats, where there are programs or activities or spaces or titles or opportunities to step in and to be your representatives, to gather people towards you, Lord Jesus, inspire us. Stir up our hearts. Keep us awake at night with ideas. But Lord Jesus, would you be the main event? Would it be about you? Lord God, we trust you. And next year, when we find ourselves in a space where we don't want to be, in a room which is not a nice room to be in because things have gone wrong, because things have happened that we didn't know were going to happen. Lord Jesus, would you meet us in that space and remind us that you are with us like a pillar of cloud by day or fire by night and that even in that space, you will pick us up and give us purpose and give us meaning that's, that's completely wrapped up in you. Lord Jesus, we trust you.
We have trusted you with this year and we trust you with next year and the next and the next and the next until either we are in your presence or until your throne is established on this earth. We trust you. But Lord Jesus, cause us to be your people. Outposts and lighthouses and crews with nets. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.